This evening's reading is taken from the book of Judges, chapter 6, beginning at verse 11, and can be found on page 381 of the Bibles. The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak of Ophrah that belonged to Joash the Abiezrite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a winepress to keep it from the Midianites. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. But sir, Gideon replied, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened? Where are all his wonders that our fathers told us about when they said, Did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and put us in the hands of Midian. The Lord turned to him and said, Go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? But Lord, Gideon asked, how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. The Lord answered, I will be with you, and you will strike down all the Midianites together. Gideon replied, if now I have found favor in your eyes, give me a sign that it is really you talking to me. Please do not go away until I come back and bring my offering and set it before you. And the Lord said, I will wait until you return. Gideon went in, prepared a young goat, and from an ephra of flour he made bread without yeast, putting the meat in a basket, and its angel of God said to him, Take them off of them to him under the oak. The angel of God said to him, Take the meat and the unleavened bread, place them on this rock, and pour out the broth. And Gideon did so. With the tip of the staff that was in his hand, the angel of the Lord touched the meat and the unleavened bread. Fire flared from the rock, consuming the bread and the meat. And the angel of the Lord disappeared. When Gideon realized that it was the angel of the Lord, he exclaimed, Ah, sovereign Lord, I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. But the Lord said to him, Peace, do not be afraid, you are not going to die. So Gideon built an altar to the Lord there and called it, the Lord is peace. To this day, it stands in Ophrah of the Abizrites. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good evening, everyone, and uh, do hope that our worship this evening uh, is uplifting for you. Let's bow our heads in prayer for a moment. Lord Jesus Christ, give us eyes to see you, hearts to love you, and lives to live for you, and we ask it for your name's sake. Amen. Well, this evening we come to the seventh in the series that's based on Andrew Wilson's book, Incomparable Explorations in the Character of God. And this evening's study is Yahweh is Peace. Our starting point is the passage in Judges 6, where Gideon meets the angel of the Lord, and Gideon builds an altar to the Lord there and calls it, The Lord is Peace. First of all, a bit of background information. 
The situation is that the Lord was really hacked off with the Israelites. The beginning of Judges chapter 6 tells us that the Israelites did evil in the sight of the Lord. And so for seven years, the Lord gave them into the hands of the Midianites. We're not told here what that evil that the Israelites did was, but later on in chapter 6, there is reference to Gideon's father, Joash, having an altar to Baal, uh, the pagan god, and the Asherah pole, which is a wooden pole carved as a monument in honor of Asherah, who is the mother fertility goddess and Baal's girlfriend. It's not hard to see why the Lord was a bit annoyed, to say the least. The Midianites made life very difficult for the Israelites by wreaking havoc and destruction wherever they could. They were the reason that Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press, which seems a very odd place to do it. A wine press was usually built in a pit in the ground. Wheat needed to be threshed in an open location where the breeze would blow away the chaff when the grains were tossed in the air. And that would have been almost impossible to do in a wine press deep in the ground. But it did have the advantage that it would be out of sight of the Midianites. The angel of the Lord told Gideon that God would be with him and he would attack the Midianites and rout them. And this he did. You can read the familiar story of how Gideon did it in chapter 7 of Judges. The Lord thinned out Gideon's army of tens of thousands of men down to just 300 men. And they came upon the Midianite camp in the middle of the night. They blew their trumpets. They smashed the earthenware jars that they had, which held their burning torches. And the effect was devastating. The Midianites fled in terror. In some ways, I suppose, this is a very unlikely scenario, given that the Lord announced himself to Gideon as the Lord who is peace. But peace in the Bible does not necessarily mean the absence of fighting, nor for that matter does it today. There's no war or fighting in North Korea, but I wouldn't call the situation that the population endures in North Korea peace. The Hebrew word shalom, which we translate as peace, means wholeness, completeness, welfare, and fullness and it's possible when there is trouble on every side it's possible to experience this shalom andrew wilson's book records that a competition was set up during the second world war offering a prize for the best painting which illustrated peace and as you can imagine lots of paintings came in of pastoral scenes and quiet countryside but one was completely different it was of a raging waterfall in a storm. Black clouds, torrential rain, and water crashing everywhere. And out of the center of the waterfall came a branch, and on it was a bird in full-throated song. That was the painting that won first prize. Certainly, the Bible is full of references to the Lord himself being peace. In a passage which is often read at carol services, for example, the coming Messiah is called the Prince of Peace. 
Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he'll be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. Actually, I think some people have uh, seen the meaning uh, of when Jesus was born on earth as universal world peace that would be established. But of course, when that didn't happen, uh, lots of people saw Jesus as being a failure. In actual fact, I believe that this passage is really looking forward to the future reign of the Messiah in the new heaven and the new earth. When, as it says in Isaiah 11, all the animals will get along together amicably and children will safely put their hands into a viper's nest without getting hurt. Certainly, too, when the angel host announced the birth of Jesus to the shepherds on the hillside at Bethlehem, part of their message was peace on earth. Luke chapter 2, verses 13 and 14. Suddenly, there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favour rests. Notice, though, that it was not a universal declaration of peace. It was conditional. And uh, it, the condition was it was only for those on whom God's favour rested. There was no promise of peace for those who are not interested in God or who didn't want to live according to God's plan. Having said that, that's not to say that world peace is not important or something that's not worth expending time and energy trying to implement. Certainly, Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 9. Lots of people have said if they could have three wishes granted, the first would almost inevitably be for world peace. Unfortunately, efforts for world peace have only ever had very, very limited success. And the Bible leads us to believe that this is always likely to be the case. But that doesn't mean that we shouldn't pray for it or try to achieve it. Peace as a personal quality is something which should characterize every Christian. Paul lists peace as one of the fruits of the indwelling Holy Spirit in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Sometimes people have asked, um, what's the difference between gifts of the Spirit and fruits of the Spirit? Peace being listed, of course, is a fruit of the Spirit. And uh, one answer that I read struck a chord with me. It goes like this. You can't make the fruits grow in your life, but you do have to cooperate with the Holy Spirit and encourage their growth. Fruits, like apples, for example, grow and they're really part of the tree. Gifts, on the other hand, are just that, gifts. A bit like the little gifts that are sometimes tied onto a Christmas tree. 
The fruits are part of your character. They become part of you. Gifts, on the other hand, are given to you. They are talents given to you by God for the benefit of the church, the body of Christ. Also, too, peace as a personal quality is required of Christian leaders. For example, in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 3, Paul writes about overseers, which is sometimes translated bishops or church leaders. The Greek, of course, is the word episkopos, epi meaning um, over, and the skopos bit meaning to see, as in telescope. So uh, an overseer, a bishop. Not the bishops as we understand them, but uh, as the overseer of a fellowship. He doesn't actually say that they should be men of peace, but he does say that they should be self-controlled, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, which I guess really comes to the same thing. God's peace is something which only he can place deep within our being. Philippians 4.7 says this, The peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And of course, that's something which uh, most ministers in the Church of England say at the end of every service of Holy Communion. The message of the Christian gospel is all about peace with God. Paul speaks about this in Romans chapter 5 and the first couple of verses. Therefore, he writes, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we've gained access by faith into the grace in which we now stand. When we understand what it is that Christ did for us when he died, on the, died for our sins on the cross, for our forgiveness, no longer do we have any nagging doubts and fears about what happens when this life is over. We have peace, God's peace, which he gives to us. Billy Graham wrote a book about this entitled Peace with God. And I always had this little book with me when I used to go with an evangelistic mission many decades ago in Ireland in the 1960s. We would knock on doors in villages in Ireland and talk to people about Jesus. And sometimes people would buy this book from us. And I discovered that many folk in Ireland at that time loved Billy Graham very much, and they would listen to him on the hour of decision on Radio Luxembourg. Those of a certain age will remember Radio Luxembourg, 208 meters on the medium wave, complete with the fading every few seconds. <laughs> uh, those days are gone. But once on my way to the west of Ireland, I stayed with Wallace Benn and his mum in Dublin. And Wally was the former Bishop of Lewis. Uh, he and I were students together in Bristol. Jesus, too, speaks about false peace to his disciples and therefore to us as well. This is what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 10, verses 34 to 36. Do not suppose that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I've come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies will be the members of his own household. 
sounds like very, very harsh words from Jesus, but I'm sure that these words will have a very special resonance with people who've come to faith in Christ uh, from a Muslim background. Most Muslims will disown family members who abandon Islam, and sometimes even having a funeral service for their so-called lost relative. In most Muslim states, you will risk your education and the loss of your job. And in some states, you risk your life as well by turning to Jesus Christ. All of us, though, of course, are called upon to take up our cross daily. Taking up a cross in Jesus' day meant that you were on your way to your own execution. We're called upon to take up our cross daily. Jesus reminds us that following him may involve losing everything we have at the earthly level. There is a cost to being a Christian, and for some, the cost is greater than for others. Jesus also speaks of the peace which is really worth having in John chapter 14, verse 27. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. I do not give you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. And again, two chapters later, obviously Jesus didn't want the disciples to forget this because it was something that was pretty important. John 16, verse 33. I've told you these things, he wrote, so that in me you may have peace. In this world you'll have trouble, but take heart. I've overcome the world. The Christian, because of God's grace, can experience this kind of deep peace within, even in the most difficult of circumstances. Horatio Spafford was a man who knew uh, all about this in his own life. He wrote a hymn. Uh, some of you may have come across it in the past. I haven't heard it sung for many a decade when peace like a river attendeth my way. And he obviously took as a text the verse from Isaiah chapter 48, verse 18. If only you had paid attention to my commands, your peace would have been like a river, your well-being like the waves of the sea. Horatio Spafford wrote this hymn after traumatic events in his own life. The first of those was the death of his um, baby son at the age of two. Then came the great fire of Chicago of 1871, which ruined him financially. He apparently had been a successful lawyer, but unfortunately he invested significantly in property in the area of Chicago that was extensively damaged by the great fire. His business interests were further hit by the economic downturn of 1873. He had planned to travel to Europe with his family on the SS Ville du Havre, but in a late change of plan, he sent the family ahead uh, when he was delayed on business. And apparently whilst crossing the Atlantic, the, the ship sank rapidly after a collision with another ship, the Loch Urn. And his wife, Anna, survived, but all four of his daughters um, died in the, uh, the accident. And shortly afterwards, as he travelled to meet his grieving wife, 
He was inspired to write these words as the ship passed near the place where his children had died. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to know, it is well, it is well with my soul. Though Satan should buffet, though trials should come, let this blessed assurance control that Christ has regarded my helpless estate and hath shed his own blood for my soul. For me, be it Christ, be it Christ hence to live, if Jordan above me shall roll. No pang shall be mine, for in death as in life thou wilt whisper thy peace to my soul. No one, of course, is ever insulated from the sadness and grief of this life. It's part of being human. But the message of the gospel is that it doesn't have to consume us and become the be-all and end-all of our existence. The gospel is the answer, I believe, to sorrow. Not that it will alleviate it, but it will put a whole new slant on the, on the thing itself. And Jesus knew this very, very well indeed in his own experience. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. In me, you have peace. Without any doubt, Yahweh, the Lord, is peace in the here and now, as well as years ago in Bible times. Let's bow our heads in prayer now. Lord Jesus Christ, we thank you indeed the, for the truth of the fact that the Lord is peace. Lord, we pray that we may know your peace deep within our lives today through your indwelling spirit, your presence with us to help and to guide and to strengthen and to comfort. So Lord, we pray that we may know you more dearly and love you more clearly day by day. Amen. Lord, we cry out to you for peace in our broken and fractious world. Give us faith to believe and trust in you, the God of peace. Forgive our unbelief that through your mighty power at work in us, nothing is impossible. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for ourselves and all the body of Christ that we may live lives of compassion and love towards all we meet, breaking down barriers of anger and revealing you as the God of peace. Lord, use us to change the world you created. We pray for blessing on Matt at this time with a further infilling of your Holy Spirit. 
Bless Bishops Mark and Richard as they prepare to move on. And Bishop Martin, as he leads the diocese and finds new bishops and clergy to fill the vacancies. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for the world. Raise up people of faith to knock down the idols of greed and self-interest. We pray for our government and the leaders of the world as they navigate through the many political, economic and environmental issues facing us. Give them grace to listen to advice and the views of others so that your voice may be heard. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. God of peace, release your healing love and grace on all those who are suffering from conflicts around the world. Give hope to the hopeless. And we pray for the people working all around the world to bring peace and reconciliation aid and the good news of Jesus. And we lift to you Sarah and Rob and Imtiaz who are in Southeast Asia now. We pray for Concordis and Tear Fund working for reconciliation in Africa, for Freemi in Iraq and Jordan, and others, Lord. There are many who we follow and pray for. Make us more prayerful that they may achieve your purposes, Lord. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Lord, bless those we know who are sick or grieving with your peace and healing. We lift you especially Brenda, Diane Allen, Pam, John, and Sarah Healy and Martin Bridgman's families. Lord, accept these prayers for the sake of your Son, our Saviour, Jesus Christ. Amen. <laughs>